guys. Well, tonight I'm joined by journalist and Asian football expert Scott McIntyre. Uh, he's he's dialing all the way in from from Tokyo. Thank you very much, Scott, for taking the time to meet us. No troubles. Uh, firstly, thanks for uh, all the, the great work that you guys do. I listen to your um, to your podcast every week uh, religiously. So you guys are doing a fantastic job uh, of promoting Korean football and uh, and with the ACL coverage even more broadly than that. So um, yeah, so it's it's great to be on on your show and and fantastic to, to you know hear you guys because we, we you know I, I know doing this myself that you're doing it for for love, uh, certainly not for money. So um, it's, it's just great to you know to be part of that community. Yeah, there's, there's definitely not a lot of money involved in the K-League, that's for sure. But that's another story for another time, yeah? But, um, so, like, you're actually flying out this week to the Asian Cup, right? Yeah, that's right. Um, out I'll be there uh, just in time. I think I get in 1am uh, the morning of the opening match uh, between... Uh, uh, the UAE and uh, I think it's Bahrain in the in the opening game. So yeah, really looking forward to um to the whole tournament. Excellent, excellent. So obviously they had the last tournament they they, they saw four years ago. You know it was in Australia and Australia beat Korea uh, in the final. Um, I mean a lot of a lot of the the kind of big name players. You know they they kind of the kind of marquee players seem to have left the the team. You know like obviously like, like Cahill and, and so on. So what what are the what are the expectations this time around? Uh, I mean, are the expectations to retain it, or are they just to kind of do well? Oh, was that a question? It's a transition phase in football. I mean, not just in terms of the players, but I think uh, perhaps even more importantly with the coaching situation because we had a guy in Ange Postacoglu who's now, uh, of course, coaching over here uh, with Yokohama F Marinos in the J League who was uh, incredibly uh, aggressive, uh, attack at all, uh, a cost kind of mentality. And, and he really came in and began uh, that transition from you know what you could call the golden uh, age of Australian football. So, you know, the, the Lucas Neals, the, the Mark Schwartzes, the Harry Kuehls, all these uh, kind of uh, famous, uh, you know, names that uh, did so well in the World Cup in 2006, perhaps, you know, should have got past Italy and who knows how, how far they could have gone in, in that tournament uh, over in Germany. And, and and he transitioned away from that to a, a relatively speaking younger squad, but certainly a more aggressive and, and dynamic uh, side with a totally different way of playing, you know, that, that probably we've seen in a long, long time uh, in Australia. And then you you had this rather unusual uh, situation of going to a conservative Dutch coach uh, at the World Cup, which didn't really work. You know, I mean, he, he kind of came in saying, you know, we're going to grind out results. And, and and if you grind and don't get results, it's a, it's a pretty bad look uh, overall. And that certainly was the case. Um, and then you've gone back now uh, to Graham Arnold, to a local uh, coach who was... I mean, I really think he should, probably should have been the guy to take the team uh, to Russia. He, he didn't, but he's done fantastically well uh, domestically uh, with with Sydney FC. And, uh, of course, he did have a, a brief um, and not very successful uh, stint uh, as the national coach at the Asian Cup, actually, back in uh, 2007. But he's a, a vastly changed and vastly uh, improved coach since then, but certainly not either in the ultra-conservative or ultra-attacking mould of the last two coaches. So he's somewhere uh, bridging uh, those two uh, situations and and also really now having to do with passing out the, the final remnants of that uh, golden generation with Tim Cahill uh, finally uh, going out as well. So, uh, yeah, in many ways it is, it's a new-look uh, team on the pitch. Uh, unfortunately, there's been a, a couple of really serious uh, injury blows uh, in the last uh, couple of weeks. Yeah. Uh, Aaron Moy uh, is out. Uh, Matthew Leckie, who's been doing really well in the Bundesliga, is out. And, and Martin Boyle, uh, the Scottish um, yeah, guy who never... Hips. 
never been to Australia until yeah. uh, October, and I mean he you know looked fantastic in a in a couple of um games he had in 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 the friendly matches late last year, and it was perhaps looming as something of an X factor. So to lose those three uh, players um, within you know the space of three or four weeks is is a big blow for the team. Uh, there's no questions, but to, to wind right back to your original questions in, in, in terms of expectations, you know, I mean, uh, whether it's, uh, you know, a, a football game at this level or or vacuuming the house or, or going down the, you know, the road um, to get a bite to eat, uh, whatever Australians do, they tend to want to uh, win at, uh, yeah. at, at anything. And that's uh, certainly uh, very much the expectation uh, going into this tournament, you know, even with those, um, you know, those couple of uh, key injuries, uh, the expectation uh, externally and certainly internally is, uh, is nothing less than going in and becoming, you know, the first nation uh, since Japan almost 20 years ago to uh, to defend the title. Okay, so they like, like you mentioned those those three big injuries. So like, who who would you say then is the is the standout player left? I mean, who is the who is the player that opposition fans you know players they should be looking out for? Well, might not be a very uh, sexy thing to say, but uh, we've got a we've got a very good um, uh, couple of goalkeepers actually, and I think you could you could make the case that that even our number three, uh, Danny Vukovic, who's now a, a regular uh, in Belgium, and and certainly Mitch Langrak, who's been brilliant here uh, with Nagoya and the Jelly, they're the the second and third. So you can mount an argument that they're the top three goalkeepers of, of any goalkeepers in the tournament. So uh, you know, obviously Matt Ryan has been uh, brilliant uh, in the Premier League with Brighton, and you know could be on his way to uh, really one of the top. The clubs in the next uh, six months or so in in England. So, uh, I think the way that we're likely to see Australia play, they're not going to be, um, you know, once once you get out of the group stage, we're assuming that they do not uh, the most flamboyant, and you know, it might be fairly a tightly fought match. So I wouldn't be surprised if many of those knockout matches went down to extra time and perhaps even penalties. And I think it's there that uh, that strength, certainly the goalkeeping position, uh, you know, with Matty Ryan is going to show out. I mean, you know, I think he's, he's just had a fantastic a couple of years. I mean, he's really got an, an amazing story. I mean, he came. To um, uh, to actually my hometown club, the, the Central Coast Mariners, almost I guess it would have been uh, seven or eight years ago. As as a young kid, um, you know, no expectations, just a squad keeper, and, and through a really bizarre series of injuries, he got kind of forced into action far earlier than they ever thought. Uh, you know, he, he would have in the first game he had was an absolute nightmare. They stuck with him when they could have easily dropped him, and yeah. uh, and he's just gone from strength to strength since then. So you know, if it wasn't for those, you know, real sequence of events, you know, over two three weeks all all those years ago, he you know he might still be playing kind of park football in Australia. But here he's you know one of the the better goalkeepers in the Premier League. So you know he's come from kind of humble and difficult backgrounds as well. So it's fantastic to see him doing well. Yeah, I know it's not a sexy pick to to pick your goalkeeper as, as the player to watch, but, but he could. Well be one I guess the other um, player is another guy based over here uh, in Japan also with a, a, another really amazing story in, in Andrew Naboot um, a guy who was courted uh, he's of Lebanese background he was courted heavily uh, when he was younger by Lebanon he turned them down uh, when he was really on nobody's radar you know saying I, I'm you know I know I'm going to play for Australia one day, had a crack in the A-League. It didn't really work. He ended up going to the Malaysian a second division. Uh, would have been maybe four years ago. I actually went over and did a story with him over there. And, you know, I mean, you, 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 there's no way. I mean, you would have imagined that this guy, you know, one, would have been going to the World Cup as he did in Russia and, and two, could potentially be leading the line you know, for the defending Asian Cup champions uh, going to this tournament, but I think he will. Um, he suffered a, a serious injury at um, uh, at the World Cup, and he's been out for pretty much, uh, you know, the whole back end of the J League yeah. season here. He's only just come back, but uh, he, he could very well be the the starting number nine uh, for the team. And you know, as a a pacey, uh, direct, uh, physically strong uh, kind of a forward, and he's also a good finisher. So you know, he could uh, be one to to catch the eye. So I've given you one at uh, either end of the pitch. Okay, sweet. I mean, that you talked here about Ryan, the goalkeeper from uh, back in the UK. I mean, there's a lot of talk right now uh, back back home 
you know, about the players that are having to be freed up, you know, to come over for the Asian Cup. I, I mean, a lot of football fans uh, sort of back in the UK don't really understand maybe the importance of the Asian Cup. You know, they don't they kind of realise it's it's the Asian version of the Euros, yeah? Um, uh, you know, like the KFA and Spurs, they negotiated that Son would miss a couple, the first two games, I think it is, uh, if he was allowed to go to the Asian Games, which they obviously won the gold medal. And my own team, Celtic, um, have been embroiled, embroiled in a bit of a controversy because Graham Arnold wanted Rogic, uh, Tom Rogic, to join them immediately after uh, the game. I think it was on Boxing Day. Uh, we were playing Rangers in the old firm derby or whatever you want to call it. Um, they, uh, and Rogic had to fly out for the training camp before the Oman game. Um, they, you mentioned there, you know, that no matter what Australians do, they always want to win. So what is your take on club versus country? Like, I mean, do you think country comes first or is it, you know, the club pays the wages so they should have the final say on when the players go out? Yeah, well, obviously you heard the comments that uh, Chris Sutton uh, made on uh, yeah. on TV over there as well. And, I mean, one, it's ignorant. Two, um, it's borderline racist. <laughs> and, yeah, and three, okay. um and, and three, I did comment on that, yeah. And three, it's just, I mean, it's just insane. And I, I mean, it really, it, it just shows, uh, I guess, how insular, you know, a lot of um, countries are, uh, particularly in Europe. And I mean, you know, they have no idea. I mean, I've spent the last um, six weeks traveling across Southeast Asia for the, you know, for the AFF uh, Suzuki Cup. And, and to be in those crowds, I mean, 110,000 uh, people uh, in, in Kuala Lumpur, in, in Malaysia, you know, singing nonstop. I mean, unbelievable. T-falls, right, throughout the whole thing. Uh, crowds of, you know, 55, 60,000 uh, people in Vietnam. In both those venues, people were paying the security guards, uh, you know, kind of uh, three, four times their weekly wage uh, in, in kind of bribes, the cash going straight into the pocket to to be allowed to jump the fence and, and go in. There would have been 30,000 people probably illegally inside the venue um, in Malaysia for the for the final uh, there and I mean you know the party in in the streets of Hanoi I mean you have to see it uh, to believe it I mean I don't know so much about um, Scottish football but you know I mean if you if you said old firm to you know to people in in Vietnam they probably think you're talking about some kind of a you know failed uh, business um, corporation <laughs> or or something so you know they don't really know much about Scotland either but but these people you know kind of generally tend to think you know they're each the center of the universe so <laughs> It's um, I guess yeah. There's ignorance probably on on both sides, but in terms of the 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 club versus country debate, I'm a very much firmly in in, in the country <laughs> side of that because I mean, everyone comes from from somewhere, and and you can't buy uh, success at, at at a national level. I mean, you, I mean, okay, we've seen players naturalised on occasion here, there, and there, but it's not really you know. It, not often, uh, let's say, uh, Timor tried something uh, in recent times, but it's not often the case where, you know, where passports are, uh, are being bought to try and strengthen the national team. So it's a real, yeah. uh, you know, a test and barometer of, uh, of where your development's at, where, you know, where the quality uh, often is at in, in terms of the National League, Youth League bringing players through, and, and you just don't get those things uh, at club level. Certainly you don't get it um, in the big leagues uh, in Europe. I mean, you know, Look at these um, lineups, you know, from a from a Liverpool or an Arsenal or this, and you you're struggling to find a, an English player anywhere, uh, you know, amongst it. And certainly clubs, you know, Celtic and these other clubs, they know when they sign a guy like Tom Rogic that he's a big star for the national team. And um, yeah, and I mean, you know what you're getting yourself into. So, you know, I mean, I don't think they can have complaints. The, the international windows are 
are there, you sign international players and you know that they're going to play. So really the clubs have got um, no qualm with it. You know, I really hope that someone, you know, from the AFC or somewhere invites, uh, you know, Chris Sutton over to a few of these games and he can, you know, experience, you know, the passion uh, for himself. I mean, you know, a game like Saudi Arabia, Lebanon, for example, I mean, you know, it's completely sold out. All the Saudi games are, are totally, uh, you know, sold out. So it'd be great, you know, to bring him over to one of these games and really open his eyes and, yeah. and then, you know, you can go back because it's the same with, you know, any form of, of, of ignorance uh, in life. It's just that, that you haven't, uh, seen it or you haven't experienced it outside your own little um you know sphere where you live so you know you know him as a public figure it'd be it'd be great for for someone you know someone smart to uh, to fly him over and, and show him what it's all about yeah i mean his comments were absolutely shocking as you said i mean um and it's quite interesting because even if you just take celtic themselves i mean celtic have had Kisong Young, Chad Uri, you know, Shinsuke Nakamura, Koki Mizuno, Tom Rogic. This is not something new for Celtic. I mean, they've had, you know, someone from the AFC. I mean, I've been in Korea for 12 years and they've had someone from the AFC before I came to Korea. Hmm. Um, so, I, yeah, I think for them to have made those... I mean, I think actually Sutton played with Nakamura. I could be wrong there. But I think for them to have actually made those comments, yeah, was pretty, was pretty hmm. ignorant, as you said, yeah. Hmm. Um, I mean, like thinking that you talked here. I mean, obviously about the importance of you know, like national identity. You know, like where you come from. You know, and like so on. And um, in terms of like this kind of tournament in in Australia, like is it something that will dominate the sports channels? I mean, is it something that you think that the general public, you know, will kind of come home after work or wake up in the morning, whatever the time difference is, and actually tune in to watch it? And in general. What is the, 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 the kind of coverage of, of, of international football in Australia? I think it's changing and it's difficult to give um, a quick answer without going uh, right into the history <laughs> of Australian football. But I, I can give you a, a kind of a, a potted answer that, uh, you know, the game was built on uh, various waves of migration. I mean, starting, you know, 100 plus uh, years ago with, um, you know, English, uh, Scottish uh, and Irish people and then uh, really flourishing, you know, through the, the 40s, 50s, 60s and, and 70s, you know, when you had uh, Italians, Greeks, um, Serbs, Croats, uh, Macedonians uh, coming at that point and then into recent times been a real um, influx of, of African migration as well and and you also Vietnam in the in other areas of Cambodia and so on in in those various conflicts and 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 what it did is it, it helped those communities uh, really uh, galvanize and, and the strength of the game for so long was built on those community clubs you know so you would have the Serbian club and the and, and, the, and the Croatian club and the Macedonian club and the Italian club and the Greek club and often it led to uh, issues uh, on and off um, the pitch but it but it gave those communities a real identity and, and helped them settle uh, in a new country, and, and and then that was all kind of shut down with the formation uh, of the A League because uh, you know perceived um, um, ethnic violence and you know in inverted commas and these kind of things, and yeah. and it was relaunched as a more um, sterile kind of thing, you know, with no um, aff affiliations with any colours or um, you know national logos or any of this kind of thing. But as a result of that turnover, there was no football for about eighteen months. So you you got a, almost a generation that was. Um, kind of absent because there was no youth league uh, following on from that and you've got to remember these clubs back in the you know in the particularly in the in the 60s and 70s and 80s um were fantastic developers of talent because uh, i mean if you look you know today in a nation like a croatia for example you know a small country but producing so many players are going to play for big clubs we saw of course what they did at the world cup uh, yeah. as well and you know that it's ingrained in the blood for for people to to coach and develop talent so we had that exactly in australia and again if you look at you know many of the great um 
Australian players, you know, uh, Skorko, Kalats, uh, Zelic, or, you know, a lot, lot of uh, guys coming from these uh, clubs, particularly uh, Croatian clubs. So all, when the A-League uh, started, I mean, all that was really disappeared. I mean, they were forced down in the community level. There wasn't really much a connection. Of course, there's no promotion and relegation in Australia. One team is not only in a different country, but in a different confederation in, yeah. in Wellington. It's a very unusual um, situation that's changing. There's a couple of new clubs are finally, thankfully, uh, coming in from uh, from uh, you know one uh, next year and, and another the year after. So it's going to be uh, interesting to see. But still, no um, you know promotion relegation. You know that whole experience and story very well from being in Korea as well. You know where yeah. where where there wasn't for a while, and now the reason some clubs don't want to come up and and some do. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you know it's a it's a bit of a mess. But so so that led to um, you know really a shift in. In, in the way that the game was perceived, the way that the game was viewed um, in Australia, it's always been very healthy. You know, the easily the most popular participation sport at youth level. I often think that's perhaps the case uh, more so that you know parents don't want their kids to play um, you know rugby league or or Australian football or, or any of these uh, more physical uh, sports until they hit a certain age. But you know, it is what it is. There's a huge numbers of, of kids playing it, and certainly um, you know for the big uh, domestic matches, you know the derbies in Melbourne or the derbies in Sydney, they're religiously sold out with 80,000 people and when the national team plays at home uh, again generally you know massive um, crowds turn out and you know it's obviously the case when they're in big tournaments as well particularly the world cup but this is as you alluded to with the time zone going to make things um, a little bit challenging although i think most of the the australian games the japan games and maybe the korean games and i think they've tried to you know the the nations on this side of of the continent generally have the earlier kickoffs in the group stage i think the three o'clock local so that's probably seven or eight over here so the timings of it are actually probably not uh all that bad so yeah i mean i would expect that there there would be um a big interest obviously the the rugby codes um and and the afl are are out of season at the moment so it's only really the cricket um, and the tennis that uh, is on to compete but you know as a sports loving nation when the socceroos are on um yeah, it's not going to be the topic of uh, water cooler uh, discussions at every um, you know company across the land, but certainly you know there'll be a a lot of interest in it and a lot of people really hoping that the soccerers do well. Okay, sweet. So that you're drawn in Group B with I think it's Jordan, Surrey, and Palestine if, yeah. if I'm right. Um, I mean, are, are there any are there any teams there that you think that that could cause an upset? Are there any teams that they could prevent Australia from from winning the group? Oh, from winning the group, perhaps, but um, but but with the new format, with these twenty four uh, nations going through, and then the the four uh, third place finishes yeah. going through. I mean, you've got to be totally rubbish to to not get out of the group, right? So I, I don't think we'll see any of the the so called big nations. You know, the the South Koreas, uh, Japan, um, Iran, Saudi Australia. I think all of those nations. You know, even even if they you know have a disastrous one or two matches, you know, you can win one game and still get through in, in one of these yeah. kind of third positions. So. Uh, I think uh, Australia will have little trouble uh, accomplishing that feat. But uh, yeah, it's fascinating. The other three nations in the group, Syria, of course, we saw them come uh, really within a whisker, uh, and, and that was against Australia, of um, of qualifying um, for the World Cup in Russia. You know, uh, a story that certainly caught a lot of people's attention given yeah. the struggles that are happening um, internally. There's been a lot of debate, you know, over just uh, what kind of a Syrian team this is, if it's the, the team of the uh, the ruling party or if it uh, truly is a team that, you know, represents um, Syrians of all uh, political uh, persuasion that's probably not something that we need to go into on the 48 shades of podcast because there's more than 48 shades but um uh, but yeah certainly you know they have um some you know some fantastic players are playing at the big leagues uh, in the middle east as well so they're going to be a 
a nation that uh, not only could do well in the group but could do well in the whole um, uh, tournament. Uh, Palestine are a fascinating uh, situation as well because so many people uh, from the diaspora, you know, um, guys that have come from uh, South America, many, many guys that have um, uh, been born and grown up uh, with Palestinian roots uh, in Europe as well. So uh, they're an eclectic um, mix and certainly bring uh, really different qualities and, and characteristics um, that made me outside of Lebanon that, you know, uh, any other nation in the tournament has. And then uh, Jordan... Uh, as well, which in not in essence, but uh, you know, I mean, I, th I think uh, certainly more than fifty percent of the the Jordanian population come from Palestinian roots. So that uh, that particular match, you know, Jordan Palestine is going to be one of the you know the real uh, kind of derby clashes, the tournament, uh, a match that I'm hoping to get along to. It should be a real um, uh, you know uh, amazing match. But um, you can't imagine Jordan or Palestine doing too much damage later in the tournament but uh, maybe one of them could cause a surprise perhaps palestine at, at, at some point but uh, you would think if you're looking at things logically it would be australian and australia and syria uh in that order or, or the uh, flip order of that that should be the top two teams in the group okay, hey, looking at the other groups is there a is there a potential group of death i mean you know is there a group i mean you said that none of the big hitters should have a problem getting you know, like kind of out of the group and, and kind of qualifying. But is it, is it a group that you think is really, really tight? Well, it's a group of life. That's South Korea's group. We can get to that uh, <laughs> in, a, in a minute. I certainly think Group D uh, is, uh, is, is a tricky one. I mean, Iraq, the 2007 uh, champions, Iran, probably most people's uh, favourites uh, to win it. And, uh, and Vietnam that has... Um, we could talk about Vietnam for hours, I could anyway. Uh, certainly such a, an amazing uh, generation yeah. of, of talent. Um, and not only that, they have the structures in place at, at youth level to... Um, I, I think they're going to be a power of Asian football, really, for, for a long, long time to come. We talk about them, you know, as maybe one of the big uh, five or six nations. So this could be their, their breakout uh, tournament. So those three nations going head-to-head -head in Group D is certainly... Uh, very difficult. I mean, Saudi Arabia and Qatar are two massive nations in Group E. North Korea, who knows what's uh, going on with... Uh, with your friends uh, up in, yeah. up in uh, DPR, I mean, really, you know, a, a, a mystery. I mean, there's, there's a couple of guys that play over here uh, in Japan, one at a kind of semi-professional team, one uh, in the second division at, uh, at, the, at the other club in Tokyo, Tokyo Verde, and, you know, there's a handful of guys in, in, in Europe as well, but it's basically, you know, guys that we never get to see play, almost never at, at domestic level, so we just don't know uh, what they could be, and, you know, it could be a... A, a tricky group, so they're probably the two most difficult. And then, yeah, if you're looking at the the group of life, I guess uh, the South Korean, uh, this from South Korea's, but they couldn't have got a, an easier draw, right? I mean, a, yeah. a China the side that's trying every possible angle to shoot themselves in both feet. Uh, Kyrgyzstan, who are an improved nation, but probably not going to win the tournament, and uh, and the Philippines, who um, are probably going to struggle to keep up with things as well. So certainly, yeah, South Korea shouldn't have too many troubles over there. Okay, like you mentioned Vietnam, I, I, I mean obviously Vietnam won the AFF Cup recently. Uh, you know, like I know that you were there. You know that that you talked earlier. You know about the, the huge crowds in Kuala Lumpur and so on. I mean, is that like, Do you think it's is it too early for, for that generation of footballers to maybe repeat that feat and win the Asian Cup? Like, do you think that they'll be coming in? you know, hoping that they can get the final or win it, or do you think it's a little bit just too early for them? I mean, yeah, it's a, it's a really difficult question because um, the, the the players are, uh, some, some of the players in particular, um, one who's who's going to be, I think, a real star of the tournament, the attacking midfielder, Nguyen Quang Hai, is, uh, in my opinion, in one of the top uh, five to ten Asian players anywhere in the world. But okay. but uh, nobody's ever heard of the guy, really, outside of a, a select um, you know group of people who follow uh, Southeast Asian football closely. But this guy is, uh, is a 
superb uh, uh, playmaking uh, number 10 uh, particularly play with an out and out to 10 so he's probably uh, in a wider role uh, in the front of, uh, of of a front three but still he's uh, such a dangerous um, creative player you know as I guess uh, Omar Abdul Rahman uh, was for the Emirates for quite a while something of a you know kind of a, a hidden gem and, until he had a yeah. coming out party you know at the at the Asian Cup, this is, I think, exactly what's um, going to happen with with Quang Hai because uh, he has just uh, unbelievable uh, vision. His passing is uh, is immaculate. Uh, he takes us at pieces. Uh, he scores. He creates. Uh, he's um, he's a brilliant player. Hopefully, uh, if if things fall into place, you know, we might get a chance to see him over here in the J League uh, next year, and then you know perhaps a, a move to Europe uh, in a year or two after that. So I know that uh, several of this this is a generation, of course, was at Korea in in 2017 at the Under 20 World Cup. Uh, that did very well, and then they went on and did well in the in the under twenty threes and at the Asian Games as well. And basically, the the Korean coach has has just jettisoned anybody uh, with any kind of um, uh, experience. Read in read in brackets uh, threat to his uh, control uh, okay. from the squad. I mean, they've got an average age of uh, twenty three. I think they've got one. Uh, maybe one player who's over 23. I mean, the the guy that scored the winning goal for them at the Suzuki Cup, he's just cut, he's dropped him totally from the squad because he doesn't want any. In my my personal take on, he doesn't want any opposition to to what he's doing. He doesn't want any threat to the way he's doing it. And this is, yeah. um, in essence, yeah, an under 19 to under 20. A two squad that's going to go. So if you look at it logically, I mean they probably should struggle to get out of the group. But yeah, the the players are, are just so talented. There's another you know three or four guys um, you know behind that as well. A, a guy I really like, Afan Van Duku, could be over here uh, in Japan hopefully. Uh, you know for this J League season uh, as well. Um, and you know there's a as a left uh, kind of fullback, uh, wingbacker, Don Van Howe is a brilliant um, player as well. The goalkeeper is a is a fascinating story. Born in uh, Russia, his um, his father was a ballerina, I believe, and his um, his mother was a was an actress. They met at some kind of a drama school, and and he came up through the ranks at uh, at Spartak uh, Moscow, and and you know he's now starting in goal for uh, for Vietnam. So you know, there's a lot of uh, nice personal stories behind it. Yeah, but but the yeah. generation of talent is is just so good. Uh, they they probably can't win it, but uh, the other thing people don't know I mean, is just how it's a huge nation. Vietnam is I think hundred million people, a, a voracious uh, football media, the likes of which, uh, you know, would put England uh, to shame. I mean, there is a uh, literally, you know, hundreds of uh, online uh, sites. Uh, every game I was at the, the Suzuki cup, you know, there would have been uh, 50, 60, 70 uh, journalists there on the ground. You know I mean? They yeah. camped out in hotel lobbies of the opposition teams waiting for any kind of comment. Uh, really one of the most, um, yeah, most uh, fiercely uh, passionate football nations anywhere in the world. Okay, it's quite funny that you talk there about Park, you know, the kind of, kind of dropping players, you know, uh, they kind of challenge them, you know, and maybe a lot of people don't know much about Vietnam because I, I was really surprised by how, I don't know how poor is maybe the wrong word, but I, I was quite disappointed by them in the Asian Games. Um, I mean, you know, they obviously, I was watching it from a, will Son Hyung Min win the gold medal and get exemption, or will I ever have to sit and watch him play in, 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 in the K-League point of view? So, But I, I just found that, you know, that the Vietnam, because I'd watched them, I think, when they got to the final against Uzbekistan, right? I can't, mm. Was that the under-23? Mm. Um, and they looked really good, but in Asian games, they just looked kind of, kind of boring, almost. Well, I think they look boring in the under twenty threes as well. To be honest, I mean, the, yeah. the the players the players are so technically gifted that they're rising above uh, what, in my opinion, are the tactical limitations that Park uh, is placing upon them. I mean, he's very heavily into um, into discipline, both on the pitch and off it. Uh, very heavy into physical training and conditioning, uh, and really, like I said, almost 
I mean, broking no dissent in any way, and to cut, yeah. I mean, to cut, like, yeah, the, this guy, Nguyen Anduku, who won the, really won the Suzuki Cup title for them with, with a goal in the, in the second leg of the final, I mean, it was probably one of Vietnam's best performers at the tournament, but, you know, I was with them throughout the whole thing home and away, and I could see him and, you know, one of the other guys were, were often off to the side and, you know, not quite in with the group, so I think he's just said, look, you know, we're going to cut it all together, but, I mean, he he, he was doing... He was just doing bizarre things throughout the tournament. There was one game uh, in Vietnam. We were there before a training session one day, and and he's come down. Uh, he's gathered the team before the session, and he's got this. Um, it's obviously a high-ranking uh, person. I had no idea who it was, and he's come over and he's he's made um, this guy do an introduction. You know, we were so far away we couldn't hear what was being said, and the players are standing around, and the guy was going on and on and on for for ten minutes or more, and you could see Park was absolutely uh, captivated. By the guy, so I thought this yeah. can't can't possibly be a Vietnamese guy. It has to be a Korean guy. So maybe it's one of the guys from the 2002 squad that I don't recognise who it is. And I was asking around all the other journalists, nobody had a clue who it was. I wonder what's going on. And I went up and and asked some of the the staffers afterwards. They said it was some um, a shooting champion, a, a Korean. Um, you know, like a pistol shooting guy yeah. from the Olympics. And he'd literally come and he'd, you know, he'd made this guy give a speech. And he, he'd done it at other times where he's bringing these random, you know, kind of a Korean celebrities to, to training yeah. sessions and to team meetings. And, and I mean, the press conferences were often dominated. You know, there were a few Korean journalists that came off and on late in the tournament, you know, but all these questions about you know, how does it make him feel about Korea and, you know, the interesting – it's not about Korea. Yeah. <laughs> the story's about Vietnam. You're here with, with Vietnam and that, that should yeah. uh, be the story. Of course, you want to – you know, you're proud of your nation. You want to do everything and blah, 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 blah. But, you know, so often I got the impression it was about him. And, uh, yeah. and and his uh, kind of achievements and his legacy, but uh, the way that he's coaching them is is so conservative and and so tactically um, a simple uh, that you know that that any coach with you know half a, an organizational brain about them can do the same thing. What's more of a challenge is to get this brilliant attacking generation because that's they're not you know um, Italy nineteen ninety. I mean they're they're a side full of uh, attacking flair and creativity and, yeah. and spark and verve. And if you had a coach that was playing to those strengths, I think absolutely they could win uh, the Asian Cup. But what what Park is going to try and do is going to try and you know scrape uh, you know two draws and a win and then you know get through on penalties you know every kind of game uh, thereafter. And who knows? He might very well be successful in it but what he's doing is limiting and, and really I, I think uh you know harming the the development of this uh, it really an exceptional uh, generation of vietnamese talent i mean people have no idea one of the times i was in hanoi recently i went to an academy that's now being run by philip trussier the the frenchman who was in charge of japan uh in 2002 and uh, did a lot of really good work in bringing through uh talented uh, young japanese players i spent the whole day with him at this academy it's on the outskirts about 20 kilometers uh, outside of Hanoi, and, and they have uh, 200 uh, children from the ages of 11 to, to 17, and they live in this uh, facility, the best kids from all around Vietnam that were extensively scouted and brought in. So they do school, uh, and they train uh, approximately yeah. four hours a day, You know, sometimes more, sometimes a little bit less, six days a week, and they play games. So you're talking, it's, it's uh, in essence, you're a full-time professional at the age of 11. They teach them English, uh, they teach them French. They had, uh, would have been four, five, maybe six uh, full-size uh, pitches. They had indoor pitches. They had a hot pool, a uh, cold pool, Olympic-sized pools. They had a, a sur- like a hospital with surgery. Uh, you can do in there a uh, full rehab rooms all the staff from uh, from Europe and and from South America you know experts uh, in, in their fields there was a hotel there there was a cafe there was a bar I mean this is um, the, the kind of setup that you wouldn't find in many uh, club uh, sides yeah. you know at top I mean to, I'm talking top top club sides in Europe right so 
and um, and just watching, you know, technically how good these these young kids are. I mean, it's going to be very hard for um, you know many 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 uh, Asian nations uh, to really compete uh, with Vietnam. So this is really the start of you know what we're seeing with this generation of players. But you know, I've already seen a glimpse into the future, and and there's no way that it's stopping. I mean, the pipeline is well and truly uh, turned on, and and it's not being turned off. So you know, it's a, they're going to really lay down the challenge. But you know, in the next year or so, people, you know, at this tournament, even if they spring a few results, you're going to get people. What the hell, Vietnam? How's Vietnam doing this? You know, because people don't know really what's going on, or they think, um, you know, maybe names, or they associate what happened historically in outside of football with you know how strong nations should be. But there's a lot of nations doing this, um, you know, same kind of work on the ground. Qatar, of course, has a very um, similar situation. So surely they're going to be a, a very serious player in this uh, tournament as well, and and then you know could do well in in the home World Cup in in 22 as well. And that's a result of you know a decade long a uh, serious decade long investment in youth football um that, that's happening in you know many of these uh, rising kind of asian powers okay. i mean you, you were talking there obviously you know about about park and about how he, he brought over you know the, the korean shooter and, and that kind of thing and that, that that's kind of like a really you know that 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 to me is a kind of really korean thing to do to be perfectly honest and he, his kind of management or coaching that's called uh, sounds quite similar to Hackbum, the old uh, Songnam manager, the, the guy who actually was was the Asian uh, Games manager, um, and that was he was kind of like all about discipline and kind of kind of um, stunted any mm. any flair and yeah. any attacking uh, potential in most of the players. Yeah, yeah. Um, like in Korea right now, there's a huge loving uh, like with, with Park. I mean, generally anyone who does well. Uh, overseas, you know, anyone that Koreans can, can, can kind of hold up as being promoting Korean culture or the Korean name, I guess, uh, overseas, that becomes a bit of an instant hero. We're getting, I mean, like recently, you know, as I, I think as I, as I said earlier to you, you know, like we had the FA Cup final that was barely covered uh, in on on the, the local channels here. But SBS, like the biggest channel, covered you know a one-hour build-up to the the Suzuki Cup final. You know, half an hour afterwards. Is that is that something that that happens in Australia? I mean, if you have, you know, for example, like Tom Rogich playing in an old firm game, or you have you know like the like Adrian Murray, or you know that like you have these players playing in like in, in like big games. Is it something that is is shown? In Australia, or do you focus more on the domestic leagues? Yeah, I think it's definitely the case uh, in in Australia as well. You know, and people are proud, you know, of the of the fact if players are at uh, big leagues in big competitions um, and doing well. It wouldn't quite um, maybe be the fanfare that. Yeah, I mean, I certainly witnessed that uh, firsthand, the the mania uh, ahead of the final, you know, whereas beforehand there was one kind of, um, you know, lonely Korean journalist doing a, you know, a feature-length piece uh, following uh, Park across the whole tournament for the final. Yeah, all these TV crews, uh, <laughs> you know, flew in. I mean, had no idea of uh, etiquette uh, or anything. I mean, coming into the press conference the day before the match, you know, they were just yacking away on their phones, you know, while the, the opposition <laughs> teams were... I'd almost got into a punch-up with one of them, telling them to, you know, shut the hell up and looked at me like, you've never been at the tournament, <laughs> Just kind of yeah. stormed in, and you know they were, they were there. And, you know they're running the show because they're Korean uh, television. Um, but I think it's not unusual. I've lived in Japan now for quite a while as well, so you know I see the same thing. Uh, certainly with Japanese uh, players abroad. I mean, for example, you know Keisuke Honda is uh, down in the A League now, so straight away you know we have uh, the A League uh, being broadcast here on DAZN, the the, the online 
a platform that's, that's streaming all the games these days, but they're only showing his games, you know, not the league. And it's the same yeah. if there's a Japanese player at, uh, I mean, you know, uh, when Nagatom was at the Inter, for example, you know, you, you get to see the Inter games. If there's a guy going in, you know, some random league in Switzerland, you'll suddenly be seeing the Swiss games. But, you know, so I think it's a, it's certainly very similar, you know, what goes on between Japan and Korea, but I don't think it's unusual and necessarily uh, either. But I just wonder why uh, in the case of a park, I mean, if, Okay, if you look at results, it's one thing. But if you look at performances, as you said, I mean, really, I think he's done a disastrous job <laughs> in terms okay. of the way he's taken the team, the way that they were playing under the local coach, you know, really up tempo attacking football was exceptionally uh, nice to watch. And he's wound it right back to, you know, the prehistoric kind of dinosaur days. And, and, you know, people are only looking at results and understand, okay, there's a fascination with that. It's a short term kind of thing, but what you want is the long term development of, you know, playing to a style that suits the players you have. The other thing is he's been very good at, um, you know, massaging the media. I mean, he almost never lets the players speak, you know, in the mix zone, you know, after the game, even after the final, I mean, the players went through without talking to anyone. It's unbelievable. But, but, you know, at the same time, uh, one of the local journalists told me a story that um, earlier in the year, you know, there were a, some away match somewhere and then he's ordered pizza for all the local journalists and he sent it up, you know, to their rooms as, as a gift, you know, just to try and yeah. keep, make sure that he's got them on side. So he's very smart in terms of, you know, being able to control uh, the message. You know, if you give journalists a free pizza for, for long enough, they're going to be on side with you. So, um, yes, yeah, so he's done very that. It's a very easy job, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no free pizza for me during the Suzuki Cup, you know. But uh, and, and the same thing, I mean, they the, the Vietnam Federation actually chartered flights for the Suzuki Cup as well, and they invited the local journalists onto the flights as well. So, you know, they're, they're certainly doing them, yeah, their best to, to keep the, the message on point. And, and he's done, a, yeah, certainly a fantastic job from, from all that. But, uh, you know, the performance, not so much. So, I mean, going back to the Asian Cup then and thinking about the kind of tournament as a whole, they, do you think, are there any uh, kind of shock teams? You know, are there, are there any teams who you think might be unexpectedly strong or unexpectedly weak? You know, are there any Germanys out there? Uh, who you think may have had an absolute disastrous tournament? Like, like we said with the format, it's it's almost impossible to see. Like, yeah. I mean, d- disaster would be not being in the top sixteen out of twenty-four nations, right? I mean, and <laughs> that's a disaster. Yeah, that's an absolute disaster. And I, I just can't see any of those. You know, we touched on earlier the, the Japan, Korea, Australia. Uh, Saudi, Iran, any of that um, kind of big five, if we could say, are falling. Uh, out, out of this situation as a surprise. I think Vietnam could certainly do it. Absolutely. They have the players uh, to really um, uh, go far in the tournament. I think Qatar will probably uh, surprise, surprise a few people. There's still a lot of suspicion, particularly um, uh, in the English-speaking press, uh, not so much, uh, it should be pointed out, uh, in the non-English-speaking press, uh, you know, about uh, the World Cup and the way that was awarded and, um, yeah. you know, um, so-called migrant uh, deaths, which, uh, in my opinion, have basically been um, uh, predicated on, uh, on on documents that haven't been properly researched <laughs> by, yeah. uh, by any of these, um, you know, journalists on on Fleet Street. Because if they uh, if they if they were, they'd, they'd probably paint a different story to the one that they're painting uh, publicly. But uh, you know, there's still that kind of um, stench in a way around uh, in Qatar. But uh, people are not looking at just how good um, you know some of the the real young uh, uh, talents are in in this team. And you know, I mean, if if there was a team outside the the bigger nations who could win at Qatar, absolutely capable of doing it. Of course, it's set to this uh, backdrop of political tension between, uh, you know, the UAE and um, and in Qatar and you know, Iran in Qatar's corner, Saudi Arabia in the UAE's corner. So there's there's all these, uh, you know, kind of um, things going on uh, in the background. The Kyrgyzstan maybe are possible of of springing. Uh, 
a surprise as well. And um, I mean, yeah, who knows? I mean, there's going to be smaller nations that, that get out, right? I mean, if you look, for example, at Group A, the UAE, Thailand, India, and Bahrain, uh, you know, you would think the UAE would do that fairly comfortably. And then you've got one in Thailand, India, or Bahrain, and none of which are particularly um, impressive nations are going to be through to the yeah. to the second round. So, you know, you could see one of those smaller nations. But I think if there was a uh, a surprise to perhaps win it, maybe Qatar, and then, you know, a dark horse to do really, really well, uh, it is Vietnam, despite those limitations with the coach. Okay, sweet. And who do you think will finish the the tournament as the top goal scorer? Oof, I mean, is there is there a player who you think they, you know, in Asian Games we had Bangi Joe who just ran riot. I mean, he was he was he yeah. was that red hot. Uh, obviously, this is not the Asian Games. Um, you know, he's, 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 but he's been brilliant in Japan. I, I watch, um, you know, the pretty much every uh, J-League game every weekend. I mean, he's been absolutely exceptional, particularly, uh, you know, in the second half of the year for, for Gamble Osaka. Probably not just one of the best strikers in the league, but one of the best players in the league as well. So, yeah, yeah he, I mean, he's... Uh, Certainly, a guy that's capable of, of uh, scoring a lot of goals. You think it's going to be one of the the guys from the bigger nations, so, you know, someone like uh, Sadar Azmoun, uh, for example, from uh, Iran, uh, would be uh, would be a contender for sure. I mean, Japan doesn't really have a, an out and out uh, number nine. Australia doesn't really either. So yeah, I mean, maybe it could be someone like a, a Huang Yijou. It could be a Sadar Azmoun, or you know, I mean. Uh, I don't know. There's a, there's a young uh, Qatari guy, Almawaza uh, uh, Ali, who's uh, done very well at uh, various youth tournaments. Who will probably be starting up front for them in a group that I think they'll get out of. So maybe, uh, yeah, maybe he could be a guy um, to surprise as well. And I mean, obviously, they determine, you know, they being, you know, in the UAE. Do you think? I mean, I mean, I think I saw you talking on on Twitter. I think it was maybe last week about this or a couple of weeks ago. I mean, like, do you think? With the kind of heat, with everything else, do you think it's going to really favour, you know, the teams from the kind of the Western Asian region of the AFC, or do you think that's not going to have much impact? I think it, I think there's definitely advantages, yeah, for sure, for the West uh, Asian nations, but uh, not so much the heat because this time of year it's um, in inverted commas winter. But uh, yeah. I mean, you know, but we're, but we're talking you know 21 to 25 most days so it's yeah. it's it's kind of perfect it's it's actually perfect weather for for, for football and is the again the misconceptions around Qatar I mean this is the time you know when the world cups are, is going to be played so it's you know it's going to be much more um friendly in in terms of climate than than most of the previous uh, world cups uh, have been but uh, you know the the familiarity uh, you know of um of those nations of course they play you know the west asian championships and and the golf cup and and all these kind of tournaments you know where they're familiar with playing each other and familiar in playing uh, certainly in the UAE and uh, and you know in in similar kind of conditions uh, throughout the region as well. So, yeah, Qatar, uh, you know, indeed the Emirates, uh, the host nation, so the expectations are very high. Um, we understand the Mexico, you know, the, the belief is really that they will win it. So it's it's in their favour. Saudi Arabia could, I mean, be a real a serious contender. You know, they've um, they've kept uh, Pizzi, the, the coach in charge after the World Cup, uh, very remarkable, really, given the, the track record of coaching changes in, in Saudi Arabia. And again, a flush with a really exciting um technically gifted a young generation of players so they could be a nation that could certainly benefit uh, from those conditions as well and of course uh, Iran too although um, yeah, the, the conditions um, internally within Iran are certainly not what they are at uh, you know, the UAE most of these are stadiums are, are really world class uh, you know, venues, the hotels are very nice, the training yeah. grounds are very, very nice, you know, the transport links are very good, um, you know, so there's there's not going to be any kind of um, logistic um, issues, but certainly the familiarity uh, of, you know, this handful of big uh, West Asian powers could, yeah, play right into their hands. Okay, and if I can pin you down now, who do you Oof. predict for the semi-finals and ultimately the final and ultimately the winner? <laughs> well, until a couple of days ago, um, I was pretty confident that Australia were going to win it, actually, but... Um, <laughs> 
but yeah, with all these um, injuries coming uh, one after another, I yeah, I'm not uh, quite as confident uh, as I was. Jeez, uh, oh, I really don't know because you know, with all these third place things, there's not even an easy way to match up. Uh, you know, the the path from the the second round through to the final, you know, which side of the draw this nation's going to be on or, yeah. or that because it can all flip depending on where you finish in one of those uh, third spots as well. But um, I'll be very surprised if, if it's someone outside of, you know, the, the kind of half dozen nations that we've already mentioned um, before that won it. Um, Korea are capable of winning it. Uh, Iran are capable of winning it. Uh, Japan certainly capable of making the semis. I don't think they have the overall quality um, and perhaps also I'm, I'm not, not totally sold on the coach either to, to think that they'll go on and win it, but um, but they'll be in the mix. Um, so if you're going to pin me to one right now, I, I would have said Australia, but um, seeing as I'm on your podcast, why don't I go for uh, South Korea? I just won't go out in my balcony uh, here in Tokyo and shout it out very loud. <laughs> it all depends on Son. If Son, if Son stays in yeah. England, Korea might win it. <laughs> if, uh, if Son comes over, there's no yeah. chance. Well, he might win. get a mysterious injury after the, one of these uh, FA Cup matches, right? Uh, next Honestly, year. I mean, I've been, I've, I've watched Son for a long, long time, and I am hugely of the opinion. And you probably heard me say it many times yeah. on the podcast, but I'm of the opinion that when Son plays, Korea don't. Yeah. Uh, I think there's the idea in Korea of young culture. You know, they, where they, you know, everything must go through the big brother type mm, idea, mm, mm. Uh, and I really believe that um, that when that when Son's in that team, nobody, that everyone just puts the ball straight to him. It was mm. terrible, like during the Asian Games, terrible during the World <laughs> Cup. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think definitely, I, I, I would say Korea have a chance, but for me, my money's going to be on Iran, and for no other reason, just than their Korea's bogey team, to be honest. <laughs> So, I mean, how, how do you think uh, Korea will go? Do you think Korea can make, uh, I mean, will they make it to the final and they'll lose to Iran? What, what, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think they'll get the fight. I mean, they'll, they'll definitely, I always say definitely, as you said, you know, it's quite kind of difficult to kind of pin everything down with, with the new format, but I would be surprised if they don't make the semis. Um, uh, for me, yeah, I think they have enough strength to get to the final, but... Um, I mean, I, I remember watching the final against Australia. I, I had a, I actually had a team building and I was watching it in a restaurant like, through my uh, kind of alcoholic... Uh, Sounds like a great team I remember, building. Um, I mean, Chad Aree basically lifted Korea like, into that, that final. Um, and I think Korea have a habit of just like kind of bottling it at the last minute. You know, they, they kind of don't... You know, they, they kind of don't rise to the occasion often enough. Um, so, yeah, I would be surprised. I wouldn't be, I think they'll get the semi-final, but I don't think they have it in them to win the tournament, to be honest. Well, who, who's going to be the, the key players? I mean, obviously Son's not coming in until that that third match. Um, you know, we've seen uh, Huang Yijou, uh, as we talked about here, the, the goalkeeping uh, situation. I don't know what's going on there because the I mean, Kim uh, sung was basically uh, frozen out um, yeah. in, in his last uh, couple of games for a 20-year-old goalkeeper at Corbett, uh, so he hasn't played uh, uh, for quite a while. And the, the captain of the team I follow um, uh, over here... Um, <laughs> was obviously um, yeah booted yeah. for uh, doing a bad job on Photoshop <laughs> with these uh, winter um, uh, pictures and so on. So there's a few questions around the squad, but for, for you, who do you see maybe as being the, the real standout performers for Korea? Uh, I mean, I think a lot of people here are talking about Juan and Bong. Um, mm. I mean, uh, he's a good player, but I, 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 I don't really buy a lot of the hype around him. Uh, obviously, Wang Yi if he brings his shooting boots, is, is going to be like... You know, they're one of the kind of key players. Mm. 
the Daegu goalkeeper Cho Cho Hyun Woo mm. um, had a, a pretty exceptional World Cup. Yeah. Um, and then won the FA Cup final with Daegu. Um, so and there's is it EJ Song yeah. um, as well. So that's the thing about I think the good thing about this Korean team is that when you take Son out of it. They're a team. They're actually are a Korean team. When you put Son in it, it's you know he's the standout player. But I think when you take him out of the team, they've got a, a kind of generally pretty pretty decent um, kind of team. Uh, the new coach has got them playing playing well. He's got them believing a lot more than um, Uli did, and a lot more than with than with Shin uh, had them believing as well. Um, but. As I said, yeah, I mean, all of us going to depend on on Son. If he if if, if he comes in, uh, you know, like he'll, he's going to miss the first two games. For for me, if he comes straight back into the squad in the third game, it's ridiculous. I mean, that's my own uh, personal opinion on that one. I'd, I mean, um, but uh, yeah, they're a stronger team, I think, a kind of team unit than before. But I, I just don't think they have. Um, I don't think. I don't think they have the bottle to 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 win the tournament. To be honest, um, I was actually surprised that they won the Asian Games. Um, but I think that was more down to the fact that they were yeah. playing against nobody yeah. <laughs> in the final. Um, to be honest, yeah. uh, I think had they come up against a decent enough team uh, on the way there, I wouldn't. We wouldn't have got to the final. So yeah, for me. Um, uh, there's not really a, a particular, a particularly great standout player, but um, yeah, hopefully they can do well. Yeah. But here, the, the thing about here is that I'm not really, I mean, I'll be on TV, but people won't really tune in until after the group stages. Yeah. Like, nobody's really going to bother waking up for it or coming yeah. home early for it or whatever. Yeah. But once they start getting the idea, oh, you know, Korea could win this yeah. or Korea could do something, and especially. Uh, you know, as you mentioned about your about your Tokyo balcony, I mean, especially if there's the chance of a Haniljuan, mm -hmm. which is the is the Korean name for any any competition involving a Korean and Japanese mm -hmm. team, no matter mm -hmm. what it is. Yeah. Um, if, if if there's a chance of that happening, then the nation will be <laughs> tuning in, no, no matter what time of the evening yeah. it is. Yeah. But uh, but. Those first couple of group stages, especially again with Son missing the first two games, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if SBS show the Spurs games instead of the, the the Korean national team game. To be honest, but that's just my own opinion of SBS over here. But anyway, okay. Well, Scott, thank you very much for taking the time. I mean, I know that you're as, I, as we discussed earlier that you're flying out soon. It was a pleasure talking to you. Um, Thank you very much. Hopefully, have a safe flight. Hopefully, you get to all the games that you want to go to. And um, if it's a Korea-Australia final, <laughs> we'll figure some way of, of, of doing yeah. a, a Skype preview or a WeChat preview or something, yeah? Yeah, for sure. That, uh, that'll be lovely. And yeah, any time. Um, yeah, it's been great to be on. Uh, and thanks again for all the work you, you guys do. Yeah, if you ever, ever want me to come back on for any of the ACL uh, games involving uh, the, the J-League clubs or, or the A-League clubs, I'm happy to do that uh, in 2019 as well. Excellent, well done. Well, have a great trip and a, and a great time at the Asian Games, at the Asian Cup, sorry, yeah? Cheers. Okay, okay, take care, bye. Bye. Yeah. We'll start a beer nation, a beer population.
This is our aspiration. This is an image.